0: You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Good evening and you're very welcome to this week's Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan, wishing you all a happy Pancake Tuesday day and happy new Chinese year for yesterday. Welcome to the Year of the Monkey. So coming up on the show tonight, Uni Slim's Marion Hughes is going to join me in the best possible taste studio to talk about slimming clubs. JP Egan will be on the phone to reveal details about the Irish Taste Club. I'm out and about and pay a visit to Willin Estate in Mitchellstown, County Cork. And I'd be talking to Patrick Mulcahy there about celebrating 30 years in business. And then finally, just towards the end of the show, Kenmare Foodie, Karen Coakley, will be sharing her latest recipe. If you'd like to get in touch with me, please drop me an email to s.noonan at live.ie or you can tweet to me at Queen of Org, as in Queen of Organisation. Now, as the year gets well underway, we're into February now, lots of people will be flogging to slimming clubs for that weekly weigh-in and advice about what to eat, how much of it to eat, how to cook it and so on. Operation Transformation is on RTE at the moment and let's face it, weight loss and healthy eating are very much hot topics. So I decided that it was time to talk to someone who is helping many people to lose weight and that's Unislim's Marion Hughes. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Hi, hmm. hey Marianne, you're very welcome to the studio this evening Thank you very much Thanks a million for coming in You don't live too far away You're based in West Limerick And where do you, you run your UniSlim classes at? I run my classes in Shannon Golden and Abbey Fuel. Um,
1: I run six classes at the minute so it is busy And how long have you been a leader? Three years I started around this time three years ago I had run my first class in April so I started training at this time
2: so.
0: And to be a Uni Slim leader you have to have gone through Uni Slim yourself You had to have lost um, weight overall um, I started
1: my journey with a different slimming club and finished and now continued it with Unislim but yeah you have to have gone through a weight
0: loss journey yourself well there are a lot of weight loss clubs out there so what is unique about Unislim? Unislim has a different approach to helping people
1: to lose weight it's not just about teaching them how to lose weight it's about teaching them how to eat differently so they keep their weight off in a healthy manner it's not just about oh I need to lose a stone so I'm going to go and lose a stone we teach people how to keep that stone off for life um, once they stay with us and you know how to change their lifestyle not just about learning how to lose weight so it's a different approach that way
0: like I've been to a few different clubs myself over the years and there's weighing of the food and there's points and it it can all sound quite complicated to somebody that has maybe never looked at it before so just run me through somebody arrives at Unislim for the first time what is the process?
1: So they come through they come through as normal the first time and they meet a social member who will sign them up and put them through go through a little bit with them and then they'll come up to me and they'll weigh in first of all and we'll go through what their weight is and we won't set a huge amount of targets at the start because sometimes that can put people off and then we will go through there'll be a motivational talk and then we'll talk through the plan from start to finish and the plan is very much based around cooking from scratch you know um, eating well and having everything in your diet not just about eating vegetables or eating fruit it's about having everything there including something nice your treats all that so we go through all that with a member and try and make them feel comfortable and let them know that you know they're not alone now on this and it's very much once they leave they have 24-7 contact with me outside of their classes as well so that's that's unique as well to Unislim so it's about making them feel comfortable and making them realise they're not in it on, on their own
0: that must be very demanding, though, letting people have your mobile number and say, look, I'm ring me any time that that chocolate biscuit is calling you. It is. <laughs> and <laughs> do people use it a lot? Um, by text a lot.
1: Really? Sometimes they get phone, but we are also on Facebook and they can access us on Facebook. So when you become a Unislim leader, you become aware of that. But having gone through the process myself for years, I was slimming for 10 years, putting it on and putting it off. And... I've just decided that they need the help, people just don't need to go in, do a class and walk out and be left alone. You need somebody there to help you out. Some people never contact me, some people then do, depending on what they need.
0: So you're saying there about people coming to a class and then walking out, like a lot of people just slide in that door to get weighed and then they're gone again. So how important is it to stay for the motivational talk?
1: I never put any pressure on anyone because I understand people's lives are busy, but The difference you get between staying for that talk and sliding out the door is totally different. And the people who are staying are definitely getting more from it because they're talking, they're chatting with people around them, and then I'm giving them the motivation they need to head away for the week. And you'll always pick up something. And I have people who are with me now for three years and they have gone to every class, stayed for every talk. They're free slimmers now and they still come for every talk. They say, I couldn't be without my talk. I need that talk for the week. And sometimes people just can't and I understand that, but they know they have the, and now I've just started doing emails and stuff. So they have a bit more support again if they can't because people have kids and people are going on shift work and it's understandable, but that motivational talk will just be, we'll have a bit of fun, we'll have a
0: laugh and people go feeling different especially if they've had a bad week is so U- important is uni slim it's not about points is it about portions like how does it work what's its ethos you're very much about portion sizes we do control carbs
1: Um, it's the one thing that we say to people you have to control those more and we do there's a certain allowance of carbs but you can have any sort of carb as long as you stay within a portion and apart from that then it's making sure that you have plenty of vegetables it's one of the things I can't get across enough veg is really important and plenty of protein but everything else is you know
0: within reason stay within the plan i think it's quite interesting how uni slim started up because it was a woman in uri wasn't it it was agnes
1: mccourt 44 years now and she started up in her sitting room she had had a baby was trying to lose weight couldn't find support and literally invited a couple of her friends into her sitting room and that's where it started couple of friends became more ladies and more la- and next thing it was just she had to take on someone to help her out and had to take on someone to help her out and we still meet her she still comes to our workshops she's amazing and now her daughter runs the company but it's it's Irish and she started
0: it in her sitting room yeah. it's amazing And she looks amazing herself she's stunning Yeah and, and her daughter looks amazing as well stunning. I've seen photographs just, of them yeah They are amazing And that's great to hear that they still they're out and about they're meeting the, the people that keep the organisation going well, for we them We would speak
1: to Fiona and she's a, we can contact her at any time It's not like she's up there in her office or we can ring her we can contact her at any time She's always available and like that she comes to all our meetings she's part very much part and parcel and Agnes was Come to the meetings, and if she has something that she wants to tell us, she'll tell us, which is great. And you know, she keeps us on our toes all the time, which is great. But it's lovely to meet the person who founded the company, and she's never gone away from it. And still, like you said, Fiona, she's very fit, she's very into how she looks and how she feels, and she's all very positive. She's very much about positivity. It's it's so amazing to meet them all the time because we'll meet them now again in March. We have workshops, we have four workshops every year. We
0: just had a big summit two weeks ago, and they were there. and they're always there. They and they're always reinventing the company and reinvigorating it and making sure that they're totally on the ball whenever it comes with healthy eating. She, they
1: are on this all the time. They have just combined with Gala and they're going to be doing their sandwiches now. Um, and they're going to be teaching their staff in their delis how to make sandwiches in a in the Unisim style, which is healthy you know, they're, you're going to be able to go into your garage and just pick one, go to, up to the counter, and the staff will, will know there. And they're going to be running that all over the country. They're launching it in 41st. But then they're going to be going out all over the country. We're constantly there's a new big um, for members. We're going we're currently launching. Um, I think it'll be in about March or April. An online system again, and a further online system for members where they can go on and actually watch their weight go down and graphs. And it's going to be an online hub. And it's, it never stops. She's forever trying to
0: reinvent the wheel. And it is, is so a, It's a very good website. It's a very informative website. There is there's recipes and obviously details about all the different clubs like there's lots of, of different information on there
1: yeah and it's constant um, they're always trying to think up something new like they're always contacting the leaders is there anything we can put up there it just never stops and they're forever and it's a small group in head office there's only five or six and they are forever trying to bring on the company in different ways to try and make it easier for people to access it and to make it more friendly well tell us about your classes when are your classes on and where do you run them so I run classes in Shanna-Golden on a Wednesday night and on a Thursday morning and the Wednesday night classes there's a regular class and then there's a men- only, men only class straight after that. Is that popular? Very popular I have between my two men only classes and my regular classes I'm weighing about 60 men now. Wow that's incredible is, and uh, we have great news in that one of our men is about to actually come on as a male leader. Fantastic. He's currently in training he started at the weekend and he's got another weekend of training and he's taking over the men only class in Abbeyfield. He's the first man in this area. He lost eight stone himself so that's it's incredible. a phenomenal story but he only started this time last year as a member and he's lost eight stone he's in the year lost eight stone he just was in a magazine in our magazine two weeks ago but i was kind of pushed him and questioned him and moved him along and so did his wife and he now is a leader and he'll be taking over the class as of next week so oh, it's fantastic yeah. but the men for so long it was a woman orientated business and it's all about the women and women are always looking at their waistlines but men have become more and more and more conscious and because we don't just deal with fitting into dresses or losing a stone we're all about the health the men have really come on and it's just grown and grown and grown it's great it's fantastic like class and then I have classes in Abbey Field on Thursday evening the regular class and then the men's class and then I have a Friday morning class in Abbey Field that starts at 8.30 so it is a busy busy busy, busy time
0: how much is it to join do you do you pay a joining fee and then you pay every week it's 20 euro to join we've just finished we had a month
1: there where it was actually just 10 euro to join and now we're going back to the regular price it's 20 and then it's ten euro a week after that. But as I was saying to some of the members recently, once you hit your targets, you're free then for life. So you know the likes of Paul who did it for twelve months, lost eight stone. I said it would have cost him five hundred and twenty euro for the twelve months, but that's it for the rest of his life, mm-hmm. and that's the investment. And I know sometimes people will say, "Why are you wasting your money?" And I know it goes because I hear you know I was in the, I was a member for long enough, and uh, I say it's not. You're going to spend it on a takeaway. You're going to spend it on something else. But it's an investment for the rest of your life. Or in a gym membership that you don't yeah. use. And as I often say, and at uh, this week's talks, I'm talking about exercise. But I, you cannot outrun a diet. And you can join gyms, and you might, you may or may not use them. But you know, everything has to work, and we try and work it all. But ten euro, and you get twenty-four-seven support outside of that, if you wish. So it's um,
0: it's well worth. Where is the best place to direct people if they want to find out more information and get details about your classes? Well, I would
1: say unislim.com, number one. Um, That is our website. And all the classes are up there because, you know, I'm in Channagold and you might want to go to Newcastle. All the classes are up there. Or then Facebook. We are all over Facebook. All the time. It never stops. So um, I have a Facebook page, which is Unislim, Golden Abbey Feel, And then there's the Newcastle West page. And there's classes everywhere where there's going to be a class launching in tarbert in two weeks time on the 15th of february we have a new class opening again so you know it's they're everywhere and it's just to go on and have a look and see who which one suits you and even if you want to move around if you're a person who's on the road you can go to all the classes once you register at one so you don't have to just stay going to one you can go to night classes morning classes, and move them to suit yourself and get into your life
0: there's great flexibility with it and it is all about healthy eating and adopting a different lifestyle and maintaining it, maintaining it as you say which I think is a very good yeah. way to, I th- to I approach just,
1: it for so long we were just taught how to lose weight but now we have to learn that losing weight isn't
0: what it's all about. It's all about adopting a healthy lifestyle for the future. Well, Marion, thanks so much on behalf of all those people that you're keeping them light on the scales. You're doing a great job and thanks for coming in to tell me thanks about for it. Me in. Thanks a million. Cheers. Chin chin.
3: Salut. Schleiter.
0: Great to chat to Marion there. Thanks again to Marion for travelling to the Newcastle West studio. And if you're on a mission to get healthy and lose weight, the very best of luck with it. It's not easy, I know. Still to come tonight, I'm out and about and pay a visit to Ballinwilling Estate in Mitchellstown, County Cork. And when I'm there, I get the chance to talk to Patrick Mulcahy about celebrating 30 years in business. And Kenmare Footy, Karen Coakley, will be on the phone from the kingdom to share her latest recipe. Next, though, it's time to look at a new start-up business. J.P. Egan launched the Irish Taste Club last September 2015 and every month he's responsible for delivering curated boxes of Irish artisan ambient products throughout Ireland and to the USA. He's on the phone now to tell us more. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. mm. Good evening, JP. You're very welcome to the show. I was just introducing you there and saying the Irish Teas Club is delivering curated boxes of Irish artisan ambient products throughout Ireland and to the US every month. It sounds terribly posh. I
3: think it's a uh, it, it, it's it's a gap in the market that we're um, I suppose we're really trying to um, to get behind the, the 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 food revolution and the the really kind of behind the creativity and the. Um, the exceptional quality that of Irish produce and the demand that's there at the moment um, that we're seeing in the US, and we're just kind of meeting that demand. So it's for everybody, not uh, it's, it wouldn't be something boss. So.
0: Well, let's talk about some of the products that you know. What can one expect to find in the box every month
3: for for our products? Essentially, we we do everything ambient, so anything that's that's shelf stable. So from from relishes like so for chutneys. Baking mixes. Um, we kind of have a combination of sweet and savory products, and um, and, a, and obviously a blend of, of products that are um, used as ingredients and, and and cook with. So each month, the, the customer gets um, not just the products, but we give uh, recipes and um, a kind of a, a little booklet to um, to bring the products to life and kind of give a bit of in, info information and a bit of background to the to the products and the the people behind them, I suppose as well. So
0: the products are ambient, so there's no refrigeration required, and they all would have a good shelf life, I would imagine.
3: The, the way that the, the business model is structured, that's how we we um, we're, we're geared up. So I think down the road we'll probably have um, have a chilled option, but um, for the for the time being, everything is ambient. So yeah, so it, it, there's there's such an, an array of products. I think in in Ireland we've we've no problem with uh, with finding the. Uh, you know a diverse range of, of products, so it's it's really exciting stuff. And um, yeah, we're getting a great a great response so far from the, from the public in, in the US.
0: What was the reaction from the producers whenever you went out and said this is something that you wanted to do and you wanted to buy their products to actually put in the box?
3: I, I, I suppose I'm come from a farming background myself, and and we always kind of you know farm our shop locally, so. Uh, going to, to farmers' markets, because I knew a lot of small producers myself. Anyway, and kind of from talking to them, it was kind of obvious there was a there was a gap in the market there for for smaller producers that probably hadn't hadn't meet, that meted the threshold uh, and the kind of critical mass required for for some of the bigger state agencies to support them. So the, it's essentially we're kind of bridging that gap for for, for producers that are, that want to start to, to take that first step in export and and really kind of of dip dip their foot in the water and and, and see how the products are kind of received in in another in a completely new market and that's that's the exciting thing about it
0: Well it does sound like it is an ideal opportunity for a small producer of an ambient product who is maybe wanting to start to export but doesn't really know where to begin that you are that stepping stone for it and I think the other aspect of the business and the beauty of it is that it's different products every month that people are receiving.
3: I mean the 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 real I suppose crux of it is that we can kind of give give people um a kind of a broad 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 brush of of everything that's that that's in Ireland and we kind of try and keep them new every month and 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 kind of um it's it's trying to showcase everything that we have here and 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 kind of keep um a good blend of, and good mix of products every month so we want to try and cater for everybody the, the key thing is that we're on the ground and obviously with, with people like Barbara helping us it's it's um, we have the expertise in the ground to, to make sure that we get the very best and it's 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 the products that that really make the the business and the and the producers and the the the, the stories essentially behind them so some of the producers that we have have no, really exceptional, kind of interesting, kind of inspiring story. So, those those are as much as about the the whole business as the products themselves, even so.
0: You're talking there about Barbara Collins, who is an award-winning food writer and a member of the Irish Food Writers Guild in Ireland, so she would be very well connected. But you also mentioned there about growing up on a, on a farm, so I would imagine you've got a lot of family support as well.
3: I'm, I'm uh, the only son of a, a beef farmer just outside Penisloe, so we have um, a farm there. So my, my parents are two full-time farmers, so I suppose food production was, was in, in my blood from an early age, so it was something that I was always interested in and it was um you know it was something I was always going to go back to I suppose I mean I worked I worked abroad in in Asia and in, and so on but um for me there was always kind of a pull to come back and and uh and do something you know food related and something that hopefully could help the, the economy along the way so that was kind of
0: well let's talk about the journey to Asia because you went to Maynooth to do a degree in finance.
3: So I graduated back in 2011 in finance and um, at the time I mean Ireland was in the depths of a recession so it wasn't probably the best time to be graduating so um, yeah I wanted to do something different and something uh, with a bit of an adventure as well so I kind of applied to um, to a, an internship in, uh, in Asia and I was lucky enough to get selected for that so um, I went out. I was in, and I, got, I was lucky enough to get a, a full-time role up in up in Beijing for um, a, kind of a strategy consultancy up there. So I really learned a lot from about business out there. But I think the key thing I learned when I was out in Asia was when I got away from Ireland. I kind of started to really think about it and see, look at Ireland in a different light, especially in Asia where they have a lot of issues with 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 food uh, food quality and, and and integrity in that in that regard. So I, I just kind of to realise how unique Ireland is and what the real, um, I suppose, the core of the backbone of Ireland's economy it's, it, its the food and that's what really makes us unique, I think. So, yeah, so I really wanted to get more involved in that. I suppose, kind of fast forward, when I when I came back, I, uh, I was offered a job straight away. I was lucky enough again to get a, offered a role as a profitability analyst with, with Kerry Group. So um, that was a, an exceptional opportunity to work with, you know some of the, the top executives in Europe in, in food production so it was a key um it was a key learning curve for me to get exposure to those people and uh, really learn about the industry even more the end game for me was always to to try and, uh, and build my own company so based on on everything that I had learned up to that point I, I I decided to um to take the jump and I noticed that this was was definitely a niche in the market and a a gap there for for these products so that was how the Irish Taste Club was born.
0: Some people might say, like, that was a huge jump and a very brave jump of you to take from working for a very well-established and probably a very well-paid and, and, and fantastic job with the Kerry Group.
3: Yeah, I think it was probably, I wouldn't say it was a, a big jump for me because it was something that I was always, being from a farming background, you're kind of, I think, an, a, an entrepreneur as by default. So there's always going to be something that, I was going to return to, um, but I have to say, you know, like working with in Kerry Group was an amazing experience, and I think when you get prepared like that for for what you're you're about to set yourself up for, I mean, it was it made it much easier, I suppose. Yeah.
0: The experience then with the the Kerry Group combined with the experience that you've gained abroad in Asia, I would imagine put those together with your finance degree and your family background in the farm like it, it is an excellent combination of skills and experience.
3: It's a good combination, but I think, you know, when you do go out on your own as well, it's uh there's a lot of um there's a lot of it's a fairly steep learning curve and it has it has been so like it's 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 not a it's a very different challenge I would say to the corporate uh, to the corporate world. Um I found it very um you know, it's I suppose in when in the corporate world you're generally working in one in a more narrow set. Whereas in um, where I am now, I, I find myself in one one you know doing marketing one day, finance, supply chain. It's got everything that involved. Uh, you're doing you're, you're dipping your hands in, in 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 every different part of it. So it's it's a more of a kind of a multitask type um, challenge, I would say, than and the corporate experience but uh, yeah and I'm loving it so so far it's uh, it's great it's a great challenge and um, I'm really happy with how it's going so far.
0: Well having spent time in Asia and you obviously know that market there quite well but your subscription service is Ireland and the US so you must have undertaken some sort of research to decide that the US was was the better market to start with the exporting there
3: suppose a data analysis is a, my, my background is a lot in that so i mean um long story short essentially if you look at where the the biggest market for 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 products of this nature and just on all the key trends on health and well-being and so on and uh, combine that with the with the large uh, irish and irish american population there it, it was an easy choice i mean some would argue that it's the biggest. Challenge that I could have um, undertaken, but um you know as 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 one mentor said, said to me way back at the start, you know you're dead right to go for the biggest market because why not and you know I think that it's nothing less than the the small producers of Ireland kind of deserve to go go for the big market, and I think there's definitely something that uh folds up for no dinner really here, so it's that's what what I'm really want to go after the big the bigger uh, opportunity I suppose.
0: And you've spent time out in the states. You were there just a few weeks ago, and you have somebody on the ground out there, I believe.
3: We we, we do. We we have a, a brand ambassador, and we've well, we've actually more than one. But the, a key person out there for us is um, Judith McLaughlin, and she's um, she does a lot of work with uh, with Kerry Gold as well. So she's a very experienced person on the ground and knows the 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 landscape and the food environment very very well out there so i've had um i've had met some amazing people along the way and had help with you know from people like barbara and um and loads of others in the background that have that have helped the 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 process along you know and i suppose having having the, the knowledge on the ground out there as well is is key you know especially when you're when you're when you're selling to an international audience you know it's it's to make that connection with the the customer on the ground. That's the most important thing, you know. So the challenge up to this was was setting everything up and having all the processes in place to scale up properly, and um, and we're at that point now. So it's just a case of now it kind of moves to a more kind of a marketing space where we need to 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 just essentially scale the scale the business up. So yeah, it's it's an exciting place to be. It's. Um, it, um, it's definitely going the right direction anyway. So.
0: Well as I said it is a subscription service it's available in the USA and Ireland so I'm based in Ireland and if I'm to order, place an order tomorrow how much do I pay and what am I going to get for my money?
3: Uh, essentially so <clears throat> we have three different uh, pricing plans so it ranges from as little as $40 a month to, to 49 um based on Either an annual uh, option or a quarterly bidding or a monthly bidding. So we've heard a lot of people have decided to go for the to the the annual option. So what you will get is seven to nine um, ambient food products, as I said, as I mentioned earlier, and um, you'll get them every every month straight to your door.
0: And if I'm ordering tomorrow, what products are actually in the box?
3: Shams, relishes, uh, chutneys. Um, so it, it, it varies from, from month to month, I suppose. So we, what we do is we, we set you on a specific plan and make sure that when you, when you subscribe, you get uh, the, full, the, the full experience uh, that anybody else would get. So.
0: And give me an example of a few of the brands that you're, you're using at the moment.
3: on Jams. We have um, Cross Oak. We have um, Wild About Foods, um, Foods of Athanarai. The list is, goes into the goes into the hundreds. To be honest, we've we've a lot of different, more niche products as well. I mean, uh, Wild not have a, a a nettle syrup? That's one of the more unique products that we have. So, um, you know, so we have people over in, in the states that are using it for a, a kind of a nettle mojito. So it's it, it's exciting, and uh, there's a lot of, as I said, different kind of products that we're we're trying. And it, it's we we kind of have a, a real time feedback uh, system. So. When people get products, then we get feedback straight away so we can kind of iterate the, the offering to make sure it, it works best for. so we can kind of get that feedback and make sure that we're, we're, we're keeping the customers happy as we can.
0: Well, I can imagine that it must be very exciting every month when the box comes and opening it up to see what's in it. And you also do one-off orders. So with St Patrick's Day coming up in March, there might be people in Ireland that want to send a gift to friends or family over in the States. So that's an option as well. The website is IrishTasteClub.com. Yeah, absolutely,
3: that's it. And um, yeah, I know we we've been getting uh, you know orders have been building up now um for obviously st patrick's day coming up so it's um it's yeah it's it, it, it's it's a good gift option as well and i suppose the corporate gift option is, is another thing that we kind of didn't initially think was going to be a big thing but has become bigger than we expected so um there's loads of different kind of channels that we're, we're exploring and um just uh, and a little few big yeah events that we'll be going to over in the U.S. Um, as we go. So, Well,
0: best of luck with it, JP. It sounds like it's flying it already. And as I said, com. Excellent.
3: Thank you, Sharon.
0: You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102FM. Welcome back to The Best Possible Taste with me Sharon Noonan. So far on the show tonight we've heard from Uni Slim leader Marion Hughes and just before the break I was talking to J.P. Egan, founder of the Irish Taste Club which is delivering curated boxes of Irish artisan ambient products throughout Ireland and to the U.S. every month. If you missed any of the shows so far tonight, it will be up on the podcast later in the week and you'll find the podcast on soundcloud.com forward slash food dash and dash drink dash show or subscribe pre of charge and download it on iTunes or use the podcast app that you'll find on your iPhone, your iPad and your iPad Pro if you have one of those or even your mini iPad. We still have Karen Coakley, Kenmare Foodie, to join us on the phone tonight. She'll be sharing her latest recipe. But before we put that call in, it's time to head out and about. Around two weeks ago, I was invited to a 30-year celebration at the beautiful Ballinwillen Estate in Mitchellstown, County Cork. And when I was there, I got to talk to Patrick Mulcahy. So let's have a listen to that chat. Cheers. Chin-chin.
3: Salut. Schlainter.
0: Patrick, tell me a bit about Ballin Willin Estate.
4: Well, uh, the house where we're at the moment was built first in 1727 for the third Earl of Kings, and we bought it in 1985 as a ruin. And um, we're living here since, built up the farm from 16 acres now to 162, and we farm about 800 deer and about 350 wild boar for Ireland, chefs, restaurants, and online sales to the UK.
0: Back in 1985, was that the plan to actually have venison and and wild boar to sell?
4: Well, it was venison, first of all. And um, once we started researching all that, it took me all over the world to find a suitable animal, a suitable size with enough meat on it. And then um, I always wanted to re-import wild boar because they were extinct for at least 500 years in Ireland. And that was the next plan then.
0: You don't have an agricultural background, do you?
4: Well, I came from a small farm in, in, in West Limerick, actually. Okay. A very small farm, yeah. Fairbikes
0: in West Limerick? Fina. Okay, very good. And you went to Dublin, did you?
4: I did. I did. I was a young man. I was sent off to be a policeman. and yeah. then, I, then I became a horticulturalist. And, uh, so
0: you were sent to do that, that that was what the family decided for you, well, or did my, you have any interest my, in farming uh, then?
4: Oh I did, because I was always working with farmers and my father, and we would go around killing pigs for neighbours, and my mother was always making sausages and pudding with me when I was a child, even four and five years of age, we saw that going on. And I suppose in a funny way, it nearly comes back to me, gets to the right old age of where I am now.
0: So it must have been a bit of a dream come true whenever you discovered the state here and, and you bought it and started to build it up because yeah, it is. It was,
4: it was, because when you're young you have loads of energy and I'd still do it, I, I still have great energy, thank God, um, but um, there's a lot of work and a lot of maintenance and you know it's an organic farm with animals, there's, there's a lot of physical work every day and looking after them and minding them and, and the butchering as well, You know, so it, it's a very easy place.
0: Do venison and wild boar complement
4: each other whenever it comes to husbandry, or are they completely different? They have to be kept completely different, really, because um, the the large wild boar, you know, there's just no competitors with them when it comes to fighting. And uh, then the big stags as well, like they're pretty aggressive as well, so they they have to be totally separate.
0: Okay. Now today you're hosting a visit. Tell me about some of the people that are here today. Yeah,
4: what we're doing is uh, last um, in. 2015 the 12th of February we were 30 years in the venison business and um, on the 6th of December last year we were 20 years in the wild boar business so we thought it would be a great idea for the 50 years to bring the chefs that we deal with around the country here for a day out, see what we do work with us on the farm, move around animals and and, uh, savor our food products and savor our wine and just have a social day with them to say thank you for the business to, over the last number of years.
0: And it is a very social day indeed because there's lots of different activities going on. There's some of them gone on a farm visit and I suppose yeah, they, maybe they, this is the first time that some of them have actually ever visited the farm. It, it's, it's,
4: a, it's a big thing to get the chefs to come and visit the farm. And it's very important for us because they don't have much time. It's very important for us to um, to meet with them and uh, get them to the farm because then they can take the farm to the, to the restaurant, to the place, and they'll have an image of the animals that they'll see here today, the food, and uh, we work very closely with chefs, and I'd like to think we have a very good relationship with them. And that relationship must be nursed all the time. It's very that's very important for us.
0: And you've lots of lovely refreshments.
4: Yes, we've, um, this
0: we have. Is uh, a cider going past me?
4: Very very nice cider, and uh, just a welcome hot drink with minimum amount of alcohol, just to heat people up on the day. And then we have our own wines as well, which they'll be savouring as well in the evening time.
0: Do you make cider here yourselves?
4: No, John, my son John makes mead. Okay. Yeah, uh, which is a very old Irish drink as well. Uh, I don't get involved in the cider. We produce our own wine in Hungary, and uh, we bring it in here then for, for for consumption on the premises, and we have a bed and breakfast as well, and you know, we cook meals at weekends for people, for groups. So wine and food, you know, they you have in my view you have to have both because they complement each other and it's it's a very nice follow-on talk with people what kind of wine would you like with that and you know it's a very social thing it, it's you know it's, it's for us it's very important
0: well you mentioned wine from hungary and it's not a country that a lot of people would associate with wine
4: yeah but um all the hungarian people have a rich culture in mind just like we'll say in ireland Uh, there's a rich culture of we'll say food production and that and all the old people produce their own food and all that in Hungary every man has his own wine cellar and they're fantastic winemakers and they make fantastic wine mostly for consumption in the country and mostly for consumption themselves but like wines that we have here wine buyers you know we very knowledgeable people about wine would say that you know it it would pass you know anything that they have had from France or anything like that it's made the old way. It's not organic, but it's made the old principles with no sulfurs in it. So you know, lovely, lovely, and mild to drink.
0: Less chance of a hangover.
4: Well, it's the sulfur you see, which is a winemaker's medicine That's what does the damage.
0: Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. And tell me what about what sort of grapes? What are the grape varieties? We that produce they grow fourteen
4: there? varieties: six reds, six whites, a dessert, and a rosé. So we go right across the spectrum. We we'll say the whites, we'd have Chardonnay, two types: uh, oak flavored and. Um, a clean Chardonnay and we'd have Sauvignon Blanc uh, we have Tramini um, Semillon and then we have uh, Semillon de- Dessert wine in the reds we have Merlot, Cabernet Sauvignon Cabernet Franc and we have a cuvee of those three, we have Cake Francush, Blue Franc and uh, Pinot Noir it's a very extensive list it is mm. and they're all very different you know once you get used to it, it the wine business, they are very different, like you know.
0: When you decided to branch into the wine business, was there a lot of research involved in that and different trips? Like, how did Hungary come
4: about? But Hungary came about, first of all, we had to go there to get deer and wild boar. And then the, the wine led on from that. But, like, I would have great friends in Hungary over the years, all with their own sellers, And when I say their own cellars, they were maybe a couple of thousand bottles of wine for themselves. But we a reached knowledge of how to produce it properly. It's not mass-produced, you know. Yeah. And just one just kind of fold it into the next over period of time. you a
0: network of contacts there. And then
4: uh, we'll say grape uh, harvesting is the very same, to my mind, as hay's hay- har- harvesting. You know, it's, it's, you've got to have the weather for it. and all. You know, it's just another form of farming. I, people would consider it maybe a very lofty subject in business, but it's not. It's a type of farming. It's simple, you know, there's nothing magic about it once you get to know a bit about it. There's nothing much to know about it once you're the the, the ingredients or are your proper ingredients.
0: Do you spend much time out in Hungary?
4: I do. um, I do. uh, And my children spend, you know, they're helping me manage things there at the moment. Uh, They're all grown up now, so they're not part of the business as such, but in the summertime they were going. You know, help me a lot there when I get holidays and stuff like that.
0: You're having a banquet now this evening, so I would imagine the wine, the boar, the venison is all going to feature on yeah, the Yeah,
4: it will all feature. We'll be starting with some charcuterie that I make myself, uh, smoked wild boar, and we have venison salami. That'll be followed on then by um, all the different cuts, wild boar chops, uh, wild boar belly. There'll be uh, roasts, steaks, and the same with the venison. There'll be a broad range of, uh, of food.
0: No vegetarians welcome. Actually,
4: there actually, there is actually. I think uh, I think there's two or three vegetarians yeah. in the group. Yeah, <laughs> and
3: uh,
4: uh, Paul is um, has a big range of veg on there that he's cooking in the falafia. And uh, What's on the that, as Well, in the old days, the falafia was where the fia means deer. It was where the um, the pit for cooking the deer, and we. We've done burning for the last two days. It's lined with stone and lined underneath with stone. And then we put the product in and it cooks slowly.
0: That's outdoors?
4: Yeah. Everything that's been cooked yesterday is outdoors on the 27th of January.
0: So it's old, traditional it's cooking old, methods? It's the old ways, yeah. Wow. So how many will sit down for the dinner tonight?
4: Well, it's set for over 60, so... Uh, and the, you have a very
0: special room down there that you're yeah, serving in? Yeah, it's an Altay
4: it Barn converted uh, with a bake oven in it, uh, which gives out great heat. And uh, it's all candlelit, Uh the walls are all little holes, and all the walls are little alcoves. The lights will go out at five o'clock, and the only light will be candlelight.
0: And do you find that this is somewhere where a lot of tourists come, or do you also have a lot of local people that would frequent? Mostly the state? tourists
4: and groups of people who come for you know for, for something special. or food is different. When people come, everything that they have is from the farm. It's all homemade. The bread is homemade, and anything they will eat is from the farm. The desserts, everything is all homemade.
0: Well, as you celebrate such a, an incredible milestone, you must reflect on the past and probably look to the future as well. So, what is your vision for the estate going forward?
4: I suppose to to keep it sustainable because it's 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 difficult with an old house and you know a lot of animals and that it's difficult. To, um, you know, you have to have you've got to be sharp to survive in farming now and you've got to be working very hard and I suppose if we have the health to continue to do that uh, I love what I'm doing you know it's, it's very important for us and uh, hopefully maybe the young fella he's an engineer like he's, he's working up in Galway but he helps me every weekend so hopefully someday he'll have the energy to take it over maybe and if he's not well then that'll be that
0: well congratulations on the celebrations today and thanks very much for having me
4: it's a pleasure you're very welcome
0: You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102FM. Welcome back to The Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and just before the break, you heard an interview I recorded with Patrick Mulcahy when I was out and about recently and visited Ballinwilling Estate in Mitchellstown, County Cork. And earlier in the programme this evening, Uni Slim's Marion Hughes was in the studio and JP Egan from the Irish Taste Club was on the phone. If you're just tuning in, you can catch the full show later in the week on the podcast, which is on soundcloud.com forward slash food dash and dash drink dash show or subscribe free of charge and download it on iTunes or use the podcast app. We're at the final interview of the evening and it's with our regular Kenmare foodie, Karen Coakley.
3: Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up.
0: Delicious. Mmm. Good evening, Karen. How are you this evening?
2: Good evening,
0: Sharon. I'm very good. How are you? I'm great, thank you. And I'm very excited about your recipe tonight because it's actually one of my favourite dishes that I like to make myself at home. Yes. It's chilli
2: con carne. It's like forever old.
0: Well it is it's, forever it's, old and I must tell you just a quick story because it's probably the first thing I ever cooked for my husband and polite man that he is. He didn't like to say that he got a total sickener of eating it when he was a student and um, I also like to do it with red kidney beans which were all lined yeah. up around the side of his plate when he was finished it so I, I learned early on he doesn't like red kidney beans Does he eat any beans? I do it with chickpeas Okay. Yeah, he perfect. likes chickpeas, so I do it with chickpeas. But um, talk us through the, the the recipe that you use for it.
2: Yeah, well, basically this is one that um, I did at the at the weekend and um, Saturday nights in our house is DVD nights, so I always try to do something that's kind of like tasty, homemade and snacky. And um, what I love is taco fries. So basically, you make up your chili con carne. Um, so I sweat off an onion um maybe i usually use four cloves of garlic with my standard starting anything off then you put in your beef let all of that cook off season with salt and pepper and then i would put in about 2 tablespoons of smoked paprika because i really love that flavor and um about 2 teaspoons of ground cumin a teaspoon of ground coriander a good shake of chili powder could put in a red or green chili if you want and then two tins of chopped tomatoes and i let it cook for about an hour and a half and then I'll I add in my kidney beans and maybe give it another half an hour. Because I always think the thing with minced meat is, if you think about it, it's a, a slow cut of meat. You know, it's like, what is it, a cheaper cut of meat. Mm-hmm. So for me, it just needs that slow cooking. And, um, you know, you often see jars for, you know, spaghetti bolognese or a ragu. Number one, I think I don't use those, just the amount, you know, there's all the talk about sugar at the moment. It's so easy to make your own sauce. You know, you can buy jars of chili sauce. You can buy packets of chilli sauce but like I mean it's just very simple ingredients you know you would have to chop the onion and the garlic anyway I think even if you use those and then it's like you know store covered ingredients there's oregano, cumin, coriander paprika and chilli, it's that simple and just let it cook for you know about two hours it'll get nice, the meat will go nice and soft the whole thing will go really jammy, Cooked down nicely
0: One of the things I like to do is to cook the meat separately and really separate it all so there's no I hate it whenever there's like lumpy bits in it or clumps of meat I like it all to be to be very fine and I might do that in a chilli flavoured rapeseed oil if I have it
2: Oh, Good idea because you it's get a repeat from that again.
0: Yeah, I have a brighter gold rapeseed oil, it comes from the north, it's from Limavady in County Derry. And I remember interviewing Leona from there a couple of years ago, and yeah. we were talking about that particular chili flavoured rapeseed oil that she does. And I think I'd said, you know, could you use it along with all your other ingredients for chilli con carne? And she said you won't need any additional chilli because our chilli flavoured oil is really blow the head off you. And she was dead right. So that's handy if you don't have a fresh chilli or you don't have any chilli powder in the house that if you have an oil like that. Because we often get gifts of little packs of different flavoured oils. So it can be a good way of using them up.
2: Or again, cayenne pepper is like, obviously, it's a form of chili powder, but it's slightly different to chili powder. Now, my 22-year-old has taken to cooking for his friends. And when I went to make this at the weekend, he had actually raided my press because he was making enchiladas, which is another amazing recipe. Oh, my God. But um, so he had run off with everything. So I didn't actually have chili powder. So I just put in extra red chili into it. But um, So I'm not a fan of it with rice. That's okay. my hands up confession. Yes. But it's so versatile. I mean, what we did is, you know, the taco shells.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, yeah. You Perfect know, those job. hard shells. Mm-hmm. You
2: heat those in the oven for two minutes and then you finally chop some of your lettuce. Mr. Copley does all that art, it. that's his job. And um, so and then some I made a, a pico de gallo. Actually, do you know Lily Ramirez? I know Unless of Lily, yes. I think
0: it. I have met Lily. I'd say I met her at Food in the Age in October last year.
2: Lily is a gem, an absolute gem and a really good friend but Lily obviously is the queen of Mexican cooking and she has her online shop but in Mexico salsa is cooked so if you say to Lily that you're making a salsa and you're like chopping your tomatoes and the way we do Lily will have a stroke (laughs) she'll be like that's not salsa salsa has to be cooked and Lily has an amazing blog um, a Mexican cooking era and um, she has a recipe up there for salsa so what I made was called pico de gallo I've learned that from Lily, it's, so I just chopped my tomatoes um, some red onion, a bit of garlic and some lime juice and coriander so that would be like what we call salsa and you put that into the taco shells then with the beef and some uh, cheese grated cheese on top and then some sour cream and off you go but to take it to the next level because I'm like, I saw nothing else, absolutely nothing I had bacon and cabbage on go here tonight so tomorrow is going to be a Mexican bean soup and I'll use the beef, the the water, sorry, the stock off of the 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 the, cap, the bacon and cabbage, because um, for a Mexican bean soup, it just like it would give that lovely bacony flavour to it, or minestrone. I don't know if you know this, but minestrone is always made with bacon stock. Let it be the basis for your soup the following day.
0: So there's a good few tips there about using up leftovers. If you make the chilli con carne and you do have it with rice or with a baked potato the first time round and you have some leftover for the next night, you could do your um, your tacos.
2: Yeah, or what I did was, and I just took it to another level altogether and tried to keep it healthy, was I got a sweet potato and I cut it into wedges coated it with oil, salt and pepper, and I put it into the oven, a few soup it is actually into the oven for about thirty minutes until they were nice and soft, golden on the outside kind of crispy. Put those into my on my plate or into a bowl, topped it with the heated chili, topped that with some jalapenos and some grated cheese, put all of that back into the oven just to let the cheese melt then took it back out and topped it with sour cream, my pico de gallo and some fresh chopped coriander. And it was amazing. It it's sounds like, amazing. Oh, it is. It's like, you know, the best chip top food that you know you shouldn't have. But you can have that because it's healthy. It's homemade. It's sweet potato. It's baked in the oven. You know, it's like, you know, you get taco fries. But oh, my God.
0: <laughs> when you're making it yourself, you have some control over what ingredients are used and how much oil and how much yeah. salt
2: and how much sugar and i think that's going to be the big thing i hope the big thing the big move forward for people this year with everything that's going on now is just getting people back to cooking and away from jars and it's just so easy to just throw things together yourself
0: no i'm amazed that you're twins because what age are the twin boys they'll be nine they'll in be July. nine so they obviously their palates are very much geared towards spicy food they like spicy food
2: They do, but like that then, Connor had said to me, Mama, please don't make it spicy. So I did take spice down for him quite a bit. I mean, you know, he does eat spicy. Rory loves spice. Rory will eat jalapenos. He eats chilies. He loves Frank's hot sauce. He'd only drink that from the the jar. He's a devil for spice, whereas Connor isn't. So I did take spice down for him. And then, you know, they had it in uh, soft flour wraps. They loved those. Like, they're, they're very different in what they eat. They both eat well, but they eat different things. Like myself and Rory just made mini quiches here for his lunch tomorrow. Fantastic idea. Because I always use little puff pastry. I was in my local little while ago, and I saw that they had short crust pastry. And I thought, oh, brilliant. I always make my own short crust pastry. But it was one of those days I thought, you know what? I'll make quiche for tomorrow. I don't have to go to the trouble of making pastry when I go home, chilling it for a half an hour, you know? Mm -hmm. So I am... just I have little individual flan tins. So I lined the flan tin with the pastry, baked it blind for about 10 minutes. Then I let Rory chop the tomatoes. He grated the cheese and he mixed the milk and the egg together. And he uh, filled his little pastries when they were baked blind with his tomatoes and his cheese. Now he has tomato and cheese in his tomorrow. Connor has just tomatoes. Connor doesn't like tomatoes cooked, but he'll take some tomatoes school on the side. Rory will take lettuce on the side. And he poured his mixture over, he seasoned it with salt and pepper all under my supervision and we baked them and they just came out and had a go and that's tomorrow's lunch sorted for school.
0: Yeah, I think you're very strategic in that you're able to work with recipes that can be adapted every, ever so slightly to suit yeah. each of the, the palates that you're dealing with because a lot of houses are faced with making different dishes for different children and it is a nightmare. Yeah, I do not see
2: that. I don't do that. That is a nightmare. I did that with my first child when there was just three of us because he was so fussy. Nothing could touch in his plate. There could be no gravy. Anything green was a no. So then when number two came along, there was four and a half years difference between them. And I thought, OK, I'm not going through this again. And I think it was working full time with the first guy, which meant that coming home in the evening dinner was just usually something thrown into the oven. It was nine to six Monday to Friday. And it's really hard to get your head around what to cook. All I wanted to do was go home, never mind shop and think about dinner. But then with number two, um, as I said, it was four and a half years different. So I had learned with the first one. And then number two, I just enjoyed feeding him. And I used to take him to the market and he had olives from a young age, goat cheese, all of that. I just think don't be afraid to get them to try things. You know, with him, if he liked it, he swallowed it. If he didn't, he spat it out. And he's a great eater. He's like just the best foodie and the twins are like that as well even though they have their differences it all comes from you really and I think talking about them talking about food to them showing them where the food comes from including them it doesn't have to be in the cooking because that can be stressful like there's I'm feeling sick so it's not every day that I'll say to them oh come and help me boys because you know that is stressful but they'll come shopping with me. If we go to Cork, they'll come to the English Market. They go to the market here in Khmer, We go foraging. So it's all about just involving them in the whole process.
0: Well, no doubt you'll be blogging about all of this, all these great tips and the recipes and everything. And people can pop on to and they'll get all the details there. Karen, lovely to talk to you as always. Thank you, Sharon. Cheers. Chin chin.
3: Salut. Schleiter.
0: That brings us to the end of tonight's show, which is going to be on the podcast later in the week, soundcloud.com forward slash food dash and dash drink dash show or check out iTunes and use the podcast app. Thank you so much for tuning in and to all of tonight's guests, Marion Hughes, JP Egan, Patrick Mulcahy and Karen Cookley. Before I go, I must wish you all a happy Valentine's Day for this weekend. Be sure to do something romantic and enjoy it. Until next week.